You are listening to Get Real Podcast. All right, Glenn, we talk a lot about what you have referred to as the prophetic arts. Yes. And pretty much every episode, it somehow dovetails into whatever we're talking about. Isn't that strange how it does that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, yeah. and it's what we're interested in. Mm-hmm. And um, But I've been doing a lot of thinking and a lot of different things, and you and I have been talking about some different heavy concepts. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners... You know, anytime there's an artist, whether it be a musician, a poet, a a violinist, a composer, when they come to the blank page, right? Yeah. There's something stirring, burning, moving in their psyche, in their imagination, upon that point of release. And Mm -hmm. we talk also a lot about God. I know that in my walk with God, and I know in yours too, it's like there have been different seasons where you think you really know God, like, or you know about God. And then in hindsight, those were probably my most prideful times. Not saying that it's impossible, but I look back at it and like, you know, it, it kind of weirds me out a little bit. But mm-hmm. I know that you and I wanted to do a podcast about this particular subject. And when I think about God in his incredible creative capacity, Mm-hmm. And when God came up to nothing, blossoming of the singularity, he came up to, it's hard to even think about that. And that's one of the main points I want to talk about. But God, I believe, had a muse, his own imagination. Okay. The, the potter moving up to the wheel had this this idea, this gist, and his was probably more than a gist. It was more exact. And the scripture, I believe, refers to this as the word or logos, Logos. okay? Okay. And we're going to talk about logos. We've heard different people on the internet talking about a concept of logos, some that I think are like, okay, they kind of have a maybe a tertiary understanding of what it is. And then you and I have every conversation we've had about it gets really deep. So y'all hold on. You're probably going to need coffee or therapy or something um, during this particular podcast. But we're going to delve a little bit deep and and go there, I think. And I know you've got plenty of notes. I have no notes. I've just got my rambling. But you got so stoked about this. I did. You delve deep. So so I'm excited about that. But when I think about the Logos, the, the scripture in John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God, God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when And it's got a lot more that it talks about, but there was this muse, there was this, um, the gist in the artist of artists, in God himself, and when he spoke the world into existence, it came out the way he wanted it to originally. Yes, it did. It came out the way he, and we're in between a rock and a hard place because the world is not standing up to what was originally spoken, that Logos word, and there's a lot of interpretations. Go ahead. You're about to explode. I am. And this is really exciting because when you started to talk about Logos, when we were talking on the phone, what, about a week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah, we got to start recording our conversation. We really do. I got really excited and started. We probably get banned, (laughs) deplatformed. Probably. But here's the thing is that when we were in cult world and when we were in religious world, Mm. we heard, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and just kind of soared over our heads. We never really dove too deep into it because if we dove deep into what that was all about, 
we probably wouldn't have been there as long as we were. Yeah. When looking at this, I said this to you the other day. I was like, Dan, when we were there, uh, when we were doing all this religious stuff, we were basically smoking a theological bong is, is what it was. It was not, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, made, it made no sense at all. But I started to look at it. And what I did is I started to dive down as we've got this thing called logos. And another word for logos is reason. Interesting. But then we also have something called ethos. And we have something called pathos. So ethos really is an appeal to ethics. And that's where we get the word ethical Mm -hmm. from. And I had been doing a lot of study and research on the religious system during the time that Jesus walked on earth in the time of John the Baptist. And the scribes and the Pharisees, what they were really into is they really weren't into logos. They made it look like they were into logos but they were really into ethics. And ethics can be best described as convincing someone of the character or credibility of the persuader. So basically what the scribes and Pharisees were doing, well, look at how moral I am because I do this. And if you want to be moral, you need to do this too. What, what was the motivation behind their morality? So you got these this religious crowd, they teach this morality, why? It empowered them? I mean... It did. They were the ruling religious class at the time. They were the ones that set the standard. And you have to remember that the scribes and Pharisees rose during the time that there was no direct communication of God or by God through his prophets. We were looking at a 300-year period of silence. Gotcha. So everything kind of went crazy. Kind of backing up, big picture, God has this idea, his idea of what he wants the cosmos to be. God speaks this. Mm -hmm. What is the Hebrew letter that um, when he breathed the breath of life into Adam, there's one of them. I don't remember which one it is, but it was the, it was the, the breath of life and God, it was a word instead. I always thought it was like just air, but in according to spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, well, that's amazing. When God did that, and he spoke that into Adam and into the, the lineage of Adam and into, into all of us. There was a definition about what the world would be. And there was a definition about what creation would be. It would, that was his poetry. That was his, his, um, release, his music, his, his big show. It, it, it's, it's an expression of him. And when the scribes, the Pharisees, when everybody since Adam, has looked around and trying to interpret what the heck is this all about? Why am I here? What's going on? We're trying to understand the muse of the master. We're trying to understand the creativity, the architecture, the motivation. Who made that? How did it get here? And strangely enough, in the midst of it being all messed up and being altered into something that it was never spoken to be. It's weird. Isn't that the crazy thing? Because when you take a look at a sunset, when you take a look at the mountains, you're like, wow, how majestic Exactly. But we're looking at it after the fall. Oh, yeah. We're looking at the devolved state of of what God created. We're smelling a dirty dog and going, mmm, you smell so (laughs) clean. That's exactly what we're doing. What did Keith Green said something about that? Man, we're living in a garbage can. I believe that's what he said. (laughs) He goes, if you've been making the preparing a place for 2,000 years. What's interesting to me, Glenn, that when you brought up the Pharisees and you brought up that time, imagine God chose this group of people, the Hebrews, Mm -hmm. and he was trying to show logos to the world and it kept getting thwarted 
kept getting thwarted. Apostasy would creep in. They'd act really weird. So what he was actually trying to express and trying to do it, it would always get. And then it's so interesting to me that in that rebelliousness against Logos, God used men to bring in Logos himself, which is Christ. It really yes. is, yeah. you know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to the punchline. I'm all oh, over no, the go place. There, go I'm there. destroying your, your notes, no. <laughs> but it's like you know, and and then all the pathos and the ethos and all these different things that uh, you need to teach me about. But the it's all about the song that he sang, his lyrics, his visualization, what he had in his mind. He released, and then through sin, it all got completely thwarted. But the problem is, what is, it, what is that scripture? I believe it's in Isaiah saying the word will not return Turn void. void. Right. And and when the word gets spoken out in that manner by by the artist of artists, the Lord of Lords, he, he says it. You know, when, think about how we would like that. I mean, think about this. What if you bestowed just for two or three minutes that sort of ability on all creation, on all men? So all men, all women— would be able to have two minutes of that sort of creative power. Some people nihilistically would destroy the whole earth, just kill it all, right? Mm-hmm, that would. Some people would be surrounded by pepperoni pizza. <laughs> Rich you're, you're looking at me. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at you. <laughs> you you kind of had a pizza thing lately. I, I don't want to get, a, you know, you used to be more in the cheeseburger zone, but I don't know, man. You got to vary things up. But think about the destruction, the mayhem, the creativity, and the weirdness that would happen if just for a few minutes men were bestowed with the creative power of what God had at the point of creating everything. And our creative power that we have right now is not, it pales in comparison to what Adam and Eve had prior to the fall. I believe that. I believe that. Well, that's like uh, referencing the latent power of the soul. I don't like Watchmen Eve for everything, i.e. spiritual authority. It goes a little, you know, (laughs) way too far. And that's uh, helped me stay in a cult for 12 years. So watch yourself on that one. But um, the latent power of the soul talks about that. It talks about that if you saw Adam using nothing but natural power, you would think he was like Superman. Mm-hmm. He probably had a you know several several hundred IQ. He was probably able to communicate so adequately with his mind and with whatever. It would almost seem telepathic. He would probably seem like Superman to us as far as his abilities. Probably, probably. So that's interesting. Logos. Let's talk about a little bit. You were getting into how do people get this wrong? Like logos. Logos is Christ Himself, but it's the it's the original order of things. It is God's order, right? Right. And what is good in a way to interpret that? How does that affect the world around us? And so many times, how does it get interpreted wrongly? That was a nice setup. It was. I, th- <laughs> I think the reason why it gets interpreted wrongly a lot of times is because we're limited in our capacity to understand. We're messed up and we're rebellious. Really, when you go against... Just you and I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All of us. Uh, even even your most holy person walking on the face of the earth, or the person that you would consider to be the most holy, most theologically correct person walking on the face of the earth is absolutely messed up. And there's this desire in us, again, what it boils down to is religious performance. I think a lot of it, if you hmm. take a look at the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, they would... What, what I think... And what I believe is that their perverted form of logos in the form of ethos is what I would call a pseudo logos. 
So explain again ethos. Ethos could, could ethics. you ethics ethics. Let, how about this? Let me let me you correct me if this is off. But let's say ethics in a sense could be shining the outside of the cup. Exactly. Okay. And would you say that that would be the pinnacle of what man can do in his own power? And that's my point. A lot of people yes. have heard we got to get into logos, and they would look at music. And something that was like jazz that was kind of out there or metal that was really intense. They'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. It's got to be this. I've heard people do teachings on like that. Like Bill Gothard. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sure he means well. Not trying to knock whatever. But here's what happens. People will try. I thought of a quote from myself, which sounds really egotistical, but it's not. It was just something that ran through my head. And destructive is the eye that thinks that they can comprehend logos completely. It's not, it was better. It was more succinct. What I'm talking about is if the human eye, we're limited in the scope of what we can hear, right? Mm-hmm. right. You got threshold of feeling all the way to, to threat, you know, all the way up to high frequencies that dogs can hear and we can't hear. You've got the threshold of sight, right? You've got this certain Roy G. Biv frequency of light that you can see. To be able to interpret logos with our human fallen eye, okay, is scary because you're not going to get the whole depth. You're going to see like two millimeters above the the ocean water and the the rest of the iceberg is underneath, right? Right. right. Think about Paul. Paul, what did he say? He was taken up into the seventh heaven, was it? Or one of some like way up there. I think it was the third. Okay, third, third, whatever. He was taken up and he basically had to have a thorn in the flesh. He just went and God gave him a little peek, right? And then he has to have some horrible thing on him, tempting him or afflicting him constantly just to keep him from pride. And pride, I think, is that eye that thinks that, oh, I get logos. I understand what it is. My neighbor doesn't have it. I got it. And I've been I've been working on it all day. But that that jerk over there, he didn't have it, right? And we start looking, music, okay, this is acceptable, this is not, right? We can look around, and there is a truth. There is a moral, reasonable thing that we can interpret. But it's got to be secondary. It's got to be almost tertiary, almost like the garnish on the plate Instead of the prime rib, right? Right. It, it, because I could look at somebody and there's a natural order, male and female, marriage. There's good things with that. Um, not the Ten Commandment, not killing. The um, a baby is precious. It's not to be murdered and divide up its body parts. What is happening to our society? And these things are against logos. But the trend that I see in religious circles is to try to legislate logos try to enforce logos, try to better the community by demanding logos, right? And I think there are tertiary benefits to that, but it's not the natural organic method by which God gives logos, expresses it within the earth right now. And I think that you and I would both agree that that would happen chiefly through individual salvation. Exactly. Because Jesus is Logos. That's correct. He is the Word. That is correct, yes. And so the difference would be, and I'm talking out loud, so correct and critique, please. So when a sinner, like all of us, totally messed up, and we see, man, I'm guilty as all get out. I look at the law. I'm like, I've lied. I've cheated in my mind. I'm a pervert. I'm like, I've got all this horrible stuff on me. 
and I'm no better than anybody else. And I have that moment where I'm beating my breast like that, that publican looking into heaven going, I, I mean, not even looking into heaven, looking at my feet, you know, going like, I'm so ashamed. Who am I that I could ever go into the, the, the fold of the restoration of all things, right? And you have that moment, I'm the man, and God says grace and gives grace and breathes new life into a, my spirit then I'm a literal partaker of Logos himself. And at that particular moment, that's the only time that I can really play the blues when I got the blues. That's the only time that I can walk in what the scripture would call righteousness, that I would be in this messed up place that my wailing, my imperfections, all that stuff would actually be supernaturally endued with the ability to radiate something that can only come from him himself. And so then if I go and have a family or if I go and in between all my flesh and, and the death of this body and everything that I would still struggle with, whatever little grains that I would offer of, of selflessness, of true love for a brother or a sister or a, somebody I don't even know, or to reach out and give a cup of cold water, any like almost lame action, what I would do, that's actually Logos. That's actually an expression of of God's genuine logos within the earth that could have massive effects. And it's a collection of individuals creating families and communities and that that could have that national, that geopolitical alteration, um, change of society. But I see so many people trying to legislate. Let's take evangelism by sword. Let's demand it from people. You can't have this. You can't do that. You can't marry this person or that person. You can't cross sexual lines. You can't do all this stuff. And I don't know, Glenn, help me. I, I, I see the only time that it would have a legit effect. You could clean stuff up. If you had a Renaissance Pope saying, yeah, we're going to torture you in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Yeah. <laughs> no, but if you do this, right? Right. If, you, um, if we catch you doing this, this, and this, we catch you blaspheming, we're going to torture you, right? And you might have less overt blasphemy. What if they, like uh, the UK, what do they just ban pornography, I believe? Yeah, they just ban pornography. That seems kind of good, but I know who's doing it. And it's not from Logos, right? We right. Have to, that's another program. That's a whole but other program. I don't know, Glenn, help me. Uh, un- unwrap some of this stuff, dude. You're a good teacher and you know a lot of stuff. The thing is, Dan, is that this is so mind-blowing that it's very difficult to unwrap. I mean, we're trying to unwrap the infinite. But here's the thing about Logos. Is Logos, because it's reason makes sense yes it makes common sense we are we are just so absolutely messed up in our perception of things we oftentimes perceive the world as chaotic we often perceive our lives as being absolutely chaotic and this is where it really gets down to the humility of asking god god what is it that you want me to see during the day what is it that you're trying to show me what is it that you're trying to teach me if you're filled with pride and think, hey, man, I got Logos, we got Logos down. Hey, welcome to the First Baptist Church of Logos, brother. You know, we got it. We don't wear blue jeans. We're, we're cool. You know, all that stuff. That's all garbage. But what it comes down to is asking God, God, what is it that you want to show me? Because God is always showing us order, even when it seems like there's disorder. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. We got yeah, to look beneath the surface of things. It, it really takes humility to do that. A lot of times that comes in hindsight. You ever have those moments where you're like, 
okay, this happened to me in my life. And now that I look back, oh, now I see how that was ordered. Kind of. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like you look back and you're like, what is going on? And then it makes sense to you later on. I think so. I mean, that that whole thing about chaos, it kind of is. A fallen world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're even people that are, have been saved. They are Christians. They're kind of multifaceted, schizophrenic for a little while, right? Yes. You still have the body that's like, I want to go over here. You know, right. I want right. to do that. Give right. me more, more. You know, <laughs> and then, but it, we. This is probably too deep for us. We probably should have named this episode Legos. <laughs> <laughs> Just talked about. Well, what are you building? No, but it's kind of that. I mean, like a kid with a bunch of Legos. You could sit there, and if it that order, you think that it makes sense. Oh, this makes sense. And you know what? It makes sense wearing a um, a black suit and a tie and a white shirt. And it makes sense um, that I would, um, you know, only do this. And it, it would make sense that you know people start passing legislation based off logos. That's extra biblical. That's right. And that gets really scary. And that's exactly what the scribes and the Pharisees did. And there is uh, no, the, all the teachings of the scribes. You see, Jesus, oh man, I'm just... Mind explosion right here. So everybody's going to have to bear with me for a minute with the mind explosion. I do want you to return to pathos, ethos, and... I'll get there. I think that's important, but go ahead. We we got plenty of time. But the majority of the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees had absolutely nothing to do with the scriptures. Nothing. For instance, picking ears of corn or grain on the Sabbath day. If you're hungry, eat. Because guess what? That makes sense. Now, the Bible says thou shalt not you know, work on the Sabbath day, thou shalt not labor. But that doesn't mean you can't get something when you're not hungry. Yeah, lifting the fork. Yeah, oh, you know, lifting that the fork, that's working. And they get into these little things. And really, I'm going to use the word, that is where a lot of modern religion is today. And that's asinine. It's, yes. it's really ridiculous. And that's what we were into when we were at Voldemort's playground. <laughs> All right. Fun park. Fun park, the, the, the total fun park there. But... It's extra biblical, and Jesus broke every one of those rules. Now, Jesus never broke the laws of God, but he broke the laws of man. He broke the stuff that was what I would say ethos, the ethics of the time. And ethics change. It depends on who's in power at that time. Oh, I mean, Glenn, we went to, you know, we went to a church that they were unspoken rules, like they were landmines. All over the place. Stuff that would never be said out loud because it would be interpreted as, whoa, that that smacks cultic. That that you know, if you right. said out loud, you cannot listen to any other preacher than um Voldemort, that sounds really odd. It does. But it was implied, or you cannot visit your family or friends without getting clearance, right? That sounds really cultic. That was implied. And it all had to do, man, that outside of the cup stuff. You know, there's something called fruit. You know, I don't know that much. And I'm like, but I do know this. I feel like I've had an epiphany that now when I look through scripture and you see a whole, a gaggle of really messed up folk. Okay. I look at David, narcissistic sin, this king, he's living high on the hog. He's stealing people's wives he's you know putting them to death he's like got trouble in his household he's all these crazy things and god love david i mean that's an understatement yes. he'll yes. be the what the potentate in in um the representative of uh christ in in the uh new reign. jerusalem yeah. in the millennial reign so it's like it's and now when i look at people like uh 
I have doctrinal and ethical differences with uh, Mel Gibson. God used that man more than I could ever dream to be used, mm-hmm. right? right? And and it's like it's amazing. And he does did everything wrong according to outward, uh, um, outward ethos, 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 right? Ethics, yeah. God, what is pathos? That is the appeal to emotion. See, if I was a cowboy, I'd name my my horse Pathos. Come here, Pathos. Well, it's also where we get the word pathetic from. (laughs) Oh, okay. So Pathos is what? I'm sorry, my stupid cowboy joke. Pathos is the appeal to emotion. So let me give you you the example. And this is far from Logos as well. It's not to say that you can't have emotion in your relationship with the Lord. Because there are people that will go as far as, well... We, we just have to have logos, so get rid of pathos. No emotion whatsoever. Right. You have to be, that's stoicism, and it's not, not And there's some of that in the, some churches. You can find your brand. Oh, I mean, yeah. you can go from, glory! <laughs> you can get that church. I went to a church one time, and the praise leader uh-huh. playing the saxophone would do backflips. Okay, during the service. So that's probably on that pathos side a yes. little bit. Okay, so let me give you an example of pathos. Please give me an example. I'm going to take you back to, this is an example that you gave, so I'm going to define this. Like coked up uh, um, infomercial? Oh, mayonnaise is maniacal. Get it out of your house. Okay. Okay, that's pathos. Ah. All right. All lyrics to rock music are satanic cyanide. Okay. Um, Where's that in scripture? It's but boy, not. It, it whips up the crowd, though, doesn't oh, it? Oh, I got you. Because okay. okay, so we've got shine up the outside of that bad boy, right? And then they've and um, go to the conference hall for the sales presentation. Exactly. Huh. And then we've got logos, which we can interpret. We look around and we see uh, the Bible does say that you can it's in romans and it talks about looking at the creation and the things that were made we can be able to interpret the his power his godhead his divinity by some of those things we can yes glenn i thought about this this week okay i thought about the fact that i saw satellite images or at least artistic representations of the earth without water on it okay and frankly it looks like somebody Looks like a prune borrowed money, a lot of money from a loan shark, and then had to get physically reminded that he owed the money probably about 20 times before he got the message and paid it back. Okay. It looks like a mess. Talk about chaos. It looks like somebody beat the living daylights out of the planet Earth and then covered it with water. So it's got this, oh, it's all pretty, but it it looks like it's been, um, been, Battered. Yeah, been battered. Okay. A little domestic situation mm-hmm. going on in, 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 in uh, the universe. And I looked at it. And then I thought about miracles, creation, um, a baby being born. Okay. And it's stranger than fiction, Glenn. Miracles are messy. Yes. Ba- the closest thing I, I've I've heard reports of healings. I've witnessed what I thought. What I don't know any. You know, I don't know. Hopefully, I don't think they happen like they did back in Jesus's day. All that as much, but I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not like everybody gets healed that ass, brother. You know, all that like charismania. I don't know. I don't know. But I want people to be healed. I've seen supernatural things, but my doctrine is like, mm, let me tell you, I've been there, and then I've relaxed, and I'm like this. But when I think about it, think about a baby being born. It's dangerous. It's messy. 
It's painful. It's full of all sorts of mixed signals. It's traumatic. It's all these things. But yet it's the closest thing that we can get to literal logos in the physical is the new birth of a baby. In fact, the example of what what would happen with salvation being born again it's messy. It's chaotic. It's dangerous. It's almost ugly. It's not beautiful. No, it's not. And that's something that you and I were talking about the other day on the phone is the salvation of a soul and salvation of a person is not tidy and neat. And a lot of times we get freaked out when we watch people pursuing logos because they're being drawn by the spirit. Example, they might make some pit stops, and I have to go back into my own journey towards salvation. Uh, A lot of times the churches that say, hey, we got logos, we got it all down, put salvation as, okay, it's this one, it's going to happen within five minutes of me sharing the gospel with you. It doesn't work that way. It might, I don't know, but a lot of times it doesn't. For me, before I came to the point of salvation, I had a lot of very strange thoughts, beliefs. Uh, I made some pit stops somewhere that I probably shouldn't have that that affected me. But it was all in this pursuit of how do I get to heaven and there's a greater truth. I was looking for logos. I was looking for logic in my life because there was chaos in my life. And when somebody is being drawn by the Spirit of God, they're going to make some pit stops at some places. They might wind up in paganism for a while. They might wind up in Zoroastrianism for a while. They might wind up in Buddhism for a while. We get all freaked out by that sometimes. It's like, oh, he's into that or he's into that, and we, we beat them down. When really, in a lot of instances, that they have any interest in life after death indicates to me that the Spirit of God is drawing them, and yes. it's just a messy process of how do I process all of this? And then the church, the majority of it today makes it even more of a mess because a lot of what the church teaches is not logos, but it's ethos and it's pathos. And even the lost man, okay, can tell that, hey, that don't make sense. Yeah. There ain't there ain't nothing in the Bible that says, you know, I can't wear blue jeans. Logos and pathos seem to have a human payoff for the dude dishing it out. They do. That's pretty strong. That so it's strong. like it's like if somebody's up there with a ladle, you know, and they're like, you know, like <laughs> Oliver Twist. What was it? Gruel? Gruel. Yeah, you're like, give me another one. Okay, and somebody's ladling out um, pathos. They're like, and I'll tell you another thing. And blah, 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 blah. They're trying to draw a crowd. They're trying to take up nine offerings. They're trying to get some attention. They, they, they're getting some sort of jollies going on. And then also with pathos, there's that pride. There's that eyeball that thinks that I get it. Right. You know, if Paul had to be smitten with a thorn in the flesh just to keep him in place, pride wise, that's like sticking your head into Disneyland, looking around. Okay, we got some teacups and got Space Mountain. We got a couple Mm -hmm. other things. And then having that be so heavy that you took a peek that you couldn't even handle it. He said it wasn't lawful that men should even know what was what he was able to see. And it's like going, dude, so humility and maybe feeling like a piece of crap 
It's kind of a good thing because I don't really know, dude. Thing. My my life, my just everything half the time is like seems like it's upside down. And people are like, well, that's, you know, oh, that's this, that's this. You know what? I don't know. From childbirth, like we were saying, what's another miracle? What is, what is marriage? Marriage is rough, dude. If you're thinking about it, pray about it. Be very prepared. There's some people that have great marriages. Mine sucks. <laughs> and honestly, can I say that? It really has since the very beginning, right? But it's like, and I'm sitting there going, God, what did I do wrong? What am I doing wrong? I really want to make this work. I, I'm, I'm weak in, in this or in that or in this. And then you want to blame it all on the other person. That's always the natural reaction. But then you start introspectively looking at yourself. And it's like, well, you know what? We're all weak. And it puts me in a precious place in one regard that I do look at it and go, oh, God, you know, I I don't look towards heaven just being like, that's where I belong because I'm Dr. Logomotion right here. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Another one for the thesaurus, Stacy. Uh, you know, I'm riding on the Logatron. You know, I'm not I'm not there. I, I, I feel like going like, no, I thought I knew so much and everything is like we backwards. No, nothing. Uh, we we know things, but we have r- revelation. Revelation is different. It's different. It's different. And yeah, exactly. It's not that most of what we are talking about on the Get Real podcast and what most of the things that Dan and I have been sharing in the different mediums, I did not learn these things in seminary. Oh, dude, what we talk about <laughs> scares the Lego blocks out of preachers. They don't want to deal with with Legos. No, <laughs> they'd rather work with Duplo. Well, look, they got to pay the rent. We're not going to, you know, we don't, you know, if y'all want to send us a lot of money, God bless you. But we don't have to, we don't have to play no. to the crowd. You know, it's like if you order right now. Not only will you receive the normal 10-ounce portion of our, you'll get double the orders, you know, and it's like some coked-up infomercial dude, like, selling something new, thank you. And I don't want to go in the midst of a bunch of Stoics being like, it's all about order, brother. It's all about the black suit. It's all about obeying. It's it's all, like, obeying authority. Does this mean I have to send back the prayer cloths that I ordered for us to send out? (laughs) Oh, that's so sad, dude. (laughs) Or the holy juniper tree. Remember that? Oh my (laughs) gosh. It's like, you know, the United States, I love the United States. I love the fact that we have freedom. I have, hopefully we still do. We can say a few things. We can have a few guns. And for those of you in Europe, you think that's crazy, but we have the understanding that governments wax corrupt, right? Right. And when you have a bunch of people, good people with guns, it helps keep that in check. It Man, does. I'm not going to make a new <laughs> podcast out of that, but it does keep things in check. And the government and other governments and other people have to go, yeah, we might want to rethink that. Right. But if you're like candy, uh, taking candy from a baby, because you're like, well, what are you going to come after with a shovel, a hoe? You know, the government pulls up in an armored vehicle. We're not against the government, not in the least, but we don't want it to wax tyrannical, which seems to be inevitable but i'll let you keep that nugget let's go back to spiritual things (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah yeah we told you that uh you're gonna have to uh hey this is the get real podcast it is the get real podcast here's the really cool thing is when in looking at logos i was looking at the word a couple things uh matthew chapter seven going back to the ethos and the pathos 
and the way the scribes and the Pharisees were. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7 at verse 29, you had all these big religious windbags, I would say, running around in the time of Jesus, appealing to either the emotion or appealing to uh, appealing to ethics. I well, love that. That's very theological. The windbags? Windbags. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Religious windbags. That's what they were. It's a bunch they of windbags. Religious windbags. I love this verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 29, when Jesus taught. This is what it says. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Boom! In your face, TKO! Bam! <laughs> Down! <laughs> he had logos. He had logos. So he was logos. He had logos. He was speaking logos. He's dishing out logos. He's dishing it out. Yeah. Dishing it so out. So when he said it, it it was. And talk about authority. That's authority. That's authority. Authority is not being some dude that probably got wedgies in high school deciding that he's going to, like, dominate the lives of the flock, right? <laughs> well, he who truly has authority does not need to say he has authority. Oh, didn't work in my house. Spec my authority. Spec my authority, Dan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you have that. And then in Matthew, uh, I'm, I'm taking a look at the notes that I, I had a field day. Okay. Matthew chapter 7. If you really want to dig into logos, go to Matthew chapter 7. And what we were talking about with the messiness of salvation uh, and the process. Matthew chapter 7 at verse 7. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 8, for everyone, this is everybody, okay? Not just people who are saved, but everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. See, that's exciting, because I, with all of the chaos, the confusion, the experiences, the cults, the like every single church is like, we believe that you're not saved unless you speak in tongues. We believe that you got to, I mean, everybody's got to, we believe rock music is demonic and satanic. We believe that you got to tie that 10% or you're robbing God. I mean, there's things everywhere, okay? We've been to churches that think you and I are going to hell. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. And so that's a weird feeling. But when I read this, right there. then I have faith in my weirdo heart that I understand very clearly that one thing that if you want and if you ask God for revelation of logos, of truth, of truly Christ himself, he will reveal him. Get Real will be soon back. <laughs> 